Welcome to another episode of the Chef Educator Today, the show that provides and discusses various teaching tools, tips, and techniques for the culinary, hospitality, and pastry arts educator. And now, coming to you through the airways from Palm Beach County, Florida, here is your host, doctor, professor, and chef, Mr. Colin Roche. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number four of the Chef Educator Podcast. My name is Dr. Colin Roach, and I'm your host. Today's episode is titled, The First Day of Class. Now, before we start on today's topic, I want to give a little background information on the podcast for our new listeners. The Chef Educator Podcast was created to be a comprehensive resource for both new and seasoned culinary, baking and pastry and hospitality teachers, instructors, and faculty at both secondary and post-secondary educational institutions. Our hope is to offer a collection of practical and effective teaching tools, tips, and techniques that we can all use in our classrooms and labs. And if this is of interest, please be sure to subscribe to this podcast. Okay, with that said, let's jump right into today's topic on the first day of class. Many say that the first day of school is the most important day of the year because it's the day you set the tone for your classroom for the entire year. Well, I don't know if it is the most important day of the course, but I do think it is one of the most important days. And I definitely believe what we do on that day and how we do it does matter. So let's start with what I think is the absolute worst way to start the semester, quarter, or term, which is often called syllabus day by the students at many colleges and universities. Their expectation is that they'll show up, the professor or teacher will hand out the syllabus, maybe go through a 10 minutes or so of housekeeping stuff, and then turn them loose until the course really starts later on in the week. And to me, it's a real shame that is all that happens when these classes meet for the first time. Like the cliche says, we never get a second chance for a first impression. And in our courses, first impressions go a long way. Now, I think some faculty justify it, figuring that the enrollment has not yet stabilized due to the ad drop period, and believe it does not make sense to cover material. Now, while there is truth that we may have a few students who will join our classes after the first day, we owe it to the students who are there to give them a full day. I mean, the first day of class is a great chance to stimulate interest about the course and to activate relevant prior knowledge students will have about the material. I mean, just think about it. We dedicate so much time to designing our courses and reading up on our content and constructing our syllabi and planning out those student activities that we ought to ensure that the time was well spent by planning a first day of class that encourages students to become engaged participants in every aspect of the course. And if we really think about it, the first day presents a unique opportunity in our courses because our students haven't experienced anything yet. So there's a default level of interest which we can leverage with engaged teaching and a welcoming atmosphere. And the tone we choose to set and the structure of activities we design can impart a positive first impression. It might also preempt some of the more common frustrations that pop up later in the term. And it is for these reasons that I believe we should want our first day of class to be more than just the time to review our syllabus. Instead, 
Let's use it as an opportunity to set the tone, establish expectations, and to get to know our students. I mean, when the students come to that first class, they're eager to know what will be taught in the course, what the instructor will be like, and what will be required of them, and how they are going to be evaluated. And in addition to providing detailed logistical information, I like to begin my courses by you know, getting those students involved. So on the first day, I try to consider ways to involve the students in a discussion of the course content. I also try to model or practice strategies and methods that I plan to use throughout the course. So ideally, the first day gives your students a taste of everything they'll be expected to do during the semester or term. So if the course is going to be um, discussion heavy, then a brief class discussion needs to be in the first day's plan. And if students are going to be doing like a lot of group work, then a group activity should be on the agenda. And if you want students to engage in active learning, give them an immediate opportunity to do so. For example, maybe you plan on utilizing activities such as like a think-pair-share or minute papers. Well, if so, give your students an opportunity to experience that routine on that first day and model your expectations and feedback for them. And if the class is small enough, begin learning students' names right away by having them introduce themselves to both you and their peers. And in addition to modeling the specific activities, the first day is also an excellent opportunity to convey your tone and style for the course. Let your enthusiasm for the material shine and let it be a model for your students. And if you're teaching a new prep, use the novelty to your advantage. Like, what are some of the interesting questions you're going to be covering in the course? So whatever your plan for the first day, students should get some idea of what's expected of them throughout the semester. And also, they should have the opportunity to discover their place in the class and, and its activities. Now, just because we're rejecting the traditional syllabus day doesn't mean there's no place in that first class for a discussion of the document. As we discussed in episode two of this podcast, as faculty, we spend a lot of time creating our syllabi. Why ruin it or ruin all that effort by merely passing it out to students and announcing, uh, read this and let me know if you have any questions? That doesn't invite the students to examine what their experience will be for the rest of the term, nor does it spark their interest or curiosity. And at the other end of the spectrum, though, reading the entire document aloud doesn't accomplish those goals either, and instead will end up boring the students to death. A better strategy is to highlight the important points of the syllabus and direct the students to the information they'll need throughout the term. In some of my classes, I have actually given a syllabus quiz in the first week, especially if I plan on giving regular quizzes throughout the semester. That way, the first quiz can both A, encourage the students to read the syllabus thoroughly, and B, it gives them experience with the specific format of your assessments. But it does this in a low-stakes environment that allows them to build some early confidence. And I have also utilized our school's learning management platform, we use Blackboard, as another delivery option of that first syllabus quiz. Now, another important first-day subject that tends to be a big negative for students, though it doesn't have to be, 
is our policies and expectations on classroom conduct. You know, we don't want the takeaway to be a list of don'ts from an instructor who ends up treating their students like, I don't know, unwelcome distractions rather than the mature high school and college students we want them to be. It's also way too easy to go overboard, come across as too strict in an attempt to, you know, prevent distractions in the class. However, must say, when I am discussing these, the classroom expectations and the classroom procedures part, I always try to speak slowly while making, you know, one-on-one eye contact with the students. And I also try to pause after each expectation. I believe this reinforces the impression that the information I'm talking about is important and it gives students time to listen and understand and internalize what I'm saying. And I find, on the other hand, when I rush through and speak quickly, students tend to dismiss the information as unimportant. Now, when I plan my first day, I like to alternate between discussions of my expectations and procedures and fun, ice-breaking, and getting-to-know-you activities that end up building a positive classroom community. And by alternating between this practical and serious activities with the fun community-building activities, I believe it gives students time to understand and internalize the information. Kind of like chunking it up when we do a, when we have a lecture. So to me, taking the time to design a clear plan for the first day gives the students a clear impression of the course content and objectives, what they can expect to do in the course, and why, why it's going to be interesting and challenging. And it can also help calm a teacher's first day nerves because you have a plan and are prepared. Okay, now I want to take a quick pause here to recognize our sponsor, the Colony Hotel, with locations in Kennebunkport, Maine, and Delray Beach, Florida. With their generous support, this podcast is able to be produced and shared with all of you. So please, consider their gorgeous resort properties for your next vacation. To find out more information, be sure to visit their website at www.thecolonyhotel.com. That's www.thecolonyhotel, all one word, C-O-L-O-N-Y-H-O-T-E-L, thecolonyhotel.com. Okay, so here are my top five areas that I try to concentrate on for my first day. Number one, I set the stage. This first day of class always creates some nervousness, even for seasoned instructors. Therefore, it helps to have a mental checklist of objectives to accomplish so that you and your students come away with the impression that the course is off to a good start. And to do that, I suggest first you arrive early, or at least visit beforehand the class, and make sure that the room is ready. What is the best way to arrange the furniture, for example? For you, can, can, can the furniture even be moved? Um, for example, do you have a podium? Where do you want it? Do you want your desk? Uh, should the students' desks be arranged in groups or in circles or in straight rows? I mean, think about all of these things. This is even true for online courses. When I teach mine, I like to log in early or even beforehand, and I decide which features of the learning management system I'm going to use, how best I'm going to arrange the information, the materials, the various lessons. So that's to be early. 
And you also want to arrive early for lab classes in order to set up any necessary equipment or demonstrations that you're going to be doing. Now, regarding technology, be sure to practice with and test classroom facilities and technology ahead of time. Make sure projected materials and board work will be visible from all the seats and that you have any needed materials out and ready before the start of class. And contact your IT department in advance to receive any training on the technology if needed. Because really, first impressions can be long-lasting. And they're usually based on a thin slice of behavior. I mean, before we even start teaching, our students will have already made some decisions about us. So it's important to understand what those impressions are based on and how we as instructors can manage them. For example, our attire. Research shows that clothing affects several kinds of judgments people make, including, but not limited to, credibility, likability, dominance, kindness, and empathy. The more formal attire generally communicates expertise and confidence, whereas less formal attire communicates approachability. Usually, it is easier to relax a more formal impression into a more casual one than the other way around. And these considerations are likely to be particularly relevant for young or new instructors who are concerned about establishing themselves as authoritative. For me, I usually just wear a chef's jacket or a lab coat since most of my students are either culinary or hospitality majors. Another thing to think about, as I already kind of alluded to, is the physical environment. Because the physical environment is another example of a first impression. Students make decisions about what kind of course yours will be by the way the chairs are arranged. You know, rows signify a more formal environment, while circles or U-shapes imply a more informal atmosphere with more expectations of student participation. And even the words that you put on the board, they also indicate how interesting the course is likely to be. For me, I write or I display the course title with, along with my name and the contact information either on the chalkboard or up on the screen. You know, on the whiteboard, I'll write it in or put it up there and the project it up on the screen. In addition to the course information, you could consider having a thought-provoking question displayed as the students arrive. Um, some good ones are leadership quotes. I like to have those, especially in my business management type classes. Or you could have quotes from famous chefs like Escoffier. Those are great to have as the students come in. Kind of sets the tone. Now, once everything is set and ready to go, I like to then chat with the students as they arrive before I begin class. I believe interacting with the students in this way makes them more likely to participate and ask questions during the class. And greeting the students as they enter the classroom communicates approachability, whereas frantically arriving right on time or even late kind of communicates disorganization. And the way you engage students on that first day sends powerful messages about the level of involvement and interaction you expect from them. Therefore, when class starts, tell the students a little bit about who you are and why you're interested in the course and the discipline overall. Try to begin learning your students' names right away. I mean, the class roster on many of the learning management platforms like Blackboard often provides photos of all your students. So I often use this roster to help put names to the faces. I even do this before the class begins sometimes so I can start seeing who's in my class. So number two, I like to do introductions. I introduce 
you know, introduce yourself, you know, me, and ask the students to introduce themselves. You know, mix things up a bit. You could take some class time for students to do interview and introduce each other or try another type of icebreaker activity. As mentioned, I like to use that first day as an opportunity to start learning students' names. These icebreakers, these introductions are a great way to do that. When you introduce yourself, I think it really should be succinct. You know, make sure, you know, to cover key areas as well. You know, you probably want the students to get a sense of your qualifications for teaching the course, um, how formal or informal you want to be, and how available you're going to be to the students. I usually start by welcoming and greeting the students, referring to the name of the course that is written on the board or projected on the screen. I then briefly share my educational background, my passion for the subject, uh, any my professional activities, maybe something personal, such as a hobby if it relates to the class. And this can help the students see me as a whole and relatable person, not just you know the big bad teacher at the front of the room. I usually then want to help the students learn about each other. You know, the classroom is a social environment, so it is helpful to start the social dynamics in a productive way. So for small classes, I quickly have the students share their names and goals and interests in the course topic. You know, for larger classes, maybe I might consider having students, you know, complete an index card or, a, you know, do a blackboard post with introductory information for me. Or I may have them introduce themselves to their classmates next to them. A lot of great icebreakers out there in different ways you can start that class. And speaking of icebreakers, they can really help raise the energy levels of the class and get students comfortable so that they will be ready to focus on the material, especially if you want to foster a collaborative environment where students will have to work in groups or dialogue with each other. However, do make sure that the icebreaker is appropriate for the course. In my case, since I teach mostly culinary and baking and pastry students, the one I use a lot is titled um, A Baker's Dozen Icebreaker which the students seem to really enjoy. And if you have a copy of my book, uh, Culinary Educators Teaching Tools and Tip, a copy of that I put in there, and it can be found on page 12. And that's really good for you know, culinary students. In addition, I also like to collect information about my students. So I have them write down their names, contact information, their majors, and maybe the last course they've taken in the subject. And all this type of information helps provide valuable background insights and helps me adjust my teaching and course content to the student's level and interest. Now, the student information sheet that I often use can be found on page 8 of the book, Culinary Educators Teaching Tools and Tips, and I found that's a real great one. And on the logistical side of things, I also try and be sure to invite students who may need accommodations, you know, maybe students with disabilities or maybe student athletes, for example. And I invite them to provide any documentation or to make any necessary requests. You know, sometimes they're a little shy. So if you have accommodations, bring them up or drop them off at the end of class. Today, those, many of them email them to me, so I don't even have to utilize that anymore. Okay, number three out of the five. I begin teaching on that first day. I teach it's an important day, and I want to get some of the content in. So first, start class on time and hit the ground running on that first day. Now, I'll include like a brief lecture or maybe a focused discussion. You know, get them started, get that, their minds working on the subject matter. You know, one suggestion, you could discuss the course benefits, both personal and career. You know, relate the course topic to current events or experiences. You know, communicate your sense of why the topic should be studied and understood. You know, maybe pose essential questions. You know, the course 
will eventually help to answer. So start off and get them thinking about it. And as mentioned, use at least one of the teaching methods you will use during the semester. You know, whether you plan to, whatever you plan to do during the semester, do it on that first day. You know, for instance, if you plan to use discussions, have students start talking on the first day. If you plan to use groups frequently, put students in groups on the first day. If you plan to use um, extensive writing in the class, have some kind of short reflective writing activity completed on day one. And if you want the students to be in charge of their own learning, well, start with an activity where they are the experts, you know, and they don't can't rely on you for the information. Give them a case study or something. Number four, review course organization and policies. So now that I've gone through these first three steps and I've gotten to know the students and they've gotten to know me through introductory activities and, and I've taught them a little bit about the course content, I then like to review the important points of the syllabus and to talk about course expectations. So I start right out by distributing an informative, detailed syllabus that we review as a group or as a class, and I try to highlight the course requirements and policies. So I'll start by discussing the objectives of the course and my approach to the subject. You know, I tell them that the, those learning objectives are the outline what the students should be able to do by the end of the course, and that they these objectives form the backbone of the course to which all the assignments and the assessments are going to be tied to. I then go into the textbook or required texts, you know, they need to purchase or have in their possession. And from there, I'll go into like discuss the readings, the assignments, various forms of evaluation. I may reinforce how each major assignment or assessment is tied back to those objectives that we just covered. Maybe I'll give them an estimate, estimate, uh, estimate of the workload and how, when, where they will receive information on assignments, whether it's posted on uh, learning management or if I have a handout for them, I'll talk about due dates, um, requirements, the grading rubrics. Um, then I'll go into any policies unique to you know, our department, uh, the program, uh, my course, like in-class technology policies. Uh, do I accept my late work policies, uh, safety protocols for the lab? I'll explain university policies like academic integrity or emergency procedures that they may be unfamiliar with. I'll explain any instructor policies at this point, my personal ones, you know, maybe regarding attendance, academic integrity, grades, uh, requests for extension, rescheduling of quizzes, exams. I'll discuss class rules and norms. I like to explain my expectations for class participation and why participation is important. So I kind of start with the university ones, go into, you know, maybe my college ones, uh, department ones, and then into my own. I'll also introduce tools that students will use, such as the learning management system. I'll show them Blackboard. I'll pull it up on the screen, show them where everything is, the various tabs I've set up for the syllabus, any online quizzes, discussion forums. I may also introduce them to the school library, if they haven't been familiar with it, and various web resources if it's appropriate. I'll explain my expectations for student behavior, especially if it's not included in the syllabus. You know, things like punctuality, uh, seeking help when needed, offering feedback when appropriate. Uh, I'll communicate my commitment to the student's learning experience. Uh, share advice for success in my course. I'll talk about attendance, how important it is, and participation, keeping up with the readings. Let them know that I am confident in their success as long as they put in the required effort. 
Um, some faculty believe that talking at length about the syllabus sends the message that students can ask the teacher rather than look up course information. So they try to give students a reason to read it. Well, one way to accomplish this is to distribute the syllabus to the class and then give them five minutes to review it. I've used this before. Then I put them into groups, give them five minutes or so to answer 10 questions about the syllabus. Maybe the first group that answers them all, I'll give them some sort of prize, applaud from the class or whatever. So I might put it on them, you know, if I want to get a lot more active learning instead of me just reviewing all this dry material. So, you know, review, lastly, maybe my office hours, give students instructions on when and how to communicate with me. And lastly, number five, I'm going to answer questions. This is the Q&A period, and it's, you know, part of the class, usually towards the end, and it's very important to always allow time for answering the students' questions about the course, because they're going to have some, or hopefully they have some. To do this, I believe we first need to kind of establish a comfortable atmosphere and professional rapport, you know, establishing an atmosphere in which the students feel comfortable asking questions and contributing to discussions in a respectful manner will increase everyone's potential for success. So I sometimes, to start off, if I know they're not going to talk a lot, I might have the students write questions on a piece of paper anonymously. Then crumple up those pieces of paper and pass them all around the room. Then when I say stop, each student then opens up the paper they have in front of them and they read the question as I call on them one at a time. They can raise their hands. And those questions they'll read, then I try and answer them. So I could do it that way. Well, or I could even consider asking students to submit questions about the course, you know, in class via email or an online discussion board through like the Blackboard. And then I can answer these questions during the next class. Or you could have, I've done before, is uh, give them index cards. Hand them out, have them write their questions the index cards, and then I collect them all before they leave, and then I go through them all, kind of categorize them, and answer it during the next class. But in addition to giving students an opportunity to ask questions, try to answer any unspoken questions. And maybe they haven't even thought of, you know, like, why should they take this class? You know, what will be the most interesting part of the course? What will be the most challenging part? You know, so try to bring that up to them. And be sure to cover expectations for class time. You know, is the class discussion-based? Do you follow your syllabus or do you improvise? Do they need to bring their books to every class? You know, really tell them what they can expect and how they can interact with, you know, your expectations so they can thrive in the classroom. And also talk about expectations out of the class. You know, provide them of an, with an idea of what they will need to prepare for the course outside of class. Is their preparation primarily reading and writing individually? Or will they be working in groups? Uh, will they need to turn in assignments electronically outside of class hours? Are you going to collect them in class? You know, be sure to give them enough information that they'll be able to plan their schedules accordingly. And, you know, within that first day of class, you know, try to complete essential administrative requirements, you know, such as take roll call or collect student information, um, explain the add drop policy if you have one, um, determine students prior knowledge. You know, you could do that, too. You know, you maybe give them that little pretest on day one. Uh, try to find out their attitudes towards the class, you know, get a sense of the student's motivation. Overall, really what I want to do my I try to do is create a comfortable classroom climate. You know, I invite communication. I explain how students should contact me. I provide my timeline for responding back, usually within 48 hours, 24 hours. You know, I want to communicate and provide my office hours, my office phone number, uh, my availability for instant messaging if that's available, email. Um, when I won't respond, like maybe you won't respond in evenings or weekends or when you're traveling. Lastly, 
I want to conduct a wrap up, you know, end the class on time, you know, having saved the last few minutes for review, reminders, preview of the next class, you know, get them reflecting on those first class session questions, concerns. I remind the students of the next assignments that's due. Um, and I always want to start and finish class on time, you know, so punctuality, show them that it's important. So in conclusion, the first class meeting should serve at least two basic purposes. One, to give you, the teacher, an understanding of who is taking your course and what their expectations are. And two, to clarify all reasonable questions students might have relative to the course objectives as well as your expectations for their performance in class. And as students leave that first class meeting, they should believe in your competence to teach the course, be able to predict the nature of your instruction, and know what will be required of them. And to get more information on this topic, as well as many others, including charts, templates, and examples, be sure to check out the book that I've already mentioned, titled Culinary Educators Teaching Tools and Tips, which is published by Kendall Hunt. My co-authors and I wrote this book as a comprehensive resource in an easy-to-understand style. And the book is available in both electronic and hard copies and can be found on the Kendall Hunt website, which is at kendallhunt.com. I also have a link to it on my website at chefroach.com. You can find that underneath the book tabs. My name, Chef Roach, all one word, dot com. So you can find it that way. Well, that is all the time we have for this episode of The Chef Educator. So until we meet again, keep learning, keep teaching, and keep cooking. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye.